Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Robotics. I'm your host, Nikki. I hope you are well wherever you are in the world listening to this talk today. My guest today is Dr. Katrina Wallace. Katrina is a specialist in the field of artificial intelligence and the metaverse. She has been recognized by the Australian Financial Review as the most influential woman in business and entrepreneurship and as a preeminent scientist by the Royal Institution of Australia. Katrina has also been recognized as one of the top 10 speakers on AI internationally. Katrina is an adjunct professor and is one of the world's most cited experts in artificial intelligence, responsible technology and the metaverse and the future of work. Katrina is the founder of Responsible Metaverse Alliance, co-chair of Sir Richard Branson's B-Team AI Coalition, a director of the Gradient Institute, chair of Venture Capital Fund Bob AI, director of the Garvin Institute and was the founder of a machine learning company based out of New York. Katrina is a champion of women, diversity and inclusion and ethics and has a PhD in organizational behavior. In addition to these career accomplishments, Katrina regards her greatest achievement as being a mother of five. Katrina, welcome and thank you so very much for joining me today. Love that tagline of yours. Yeah, thank you. I, I completely agree. They have all the things that I uh, may have tried to accomplish in my life. Definitely those five kids are the, the best of the best. I hope they all know that and they um, carry on their hands as they should. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> Australia is a newly formed National Artificial Intelligence Centre. Why is this so important for Australia? So Australia is actually well behind the rest of the world in artificial intelligence. And there was a report that came out recently showing that in uh, in the last 12 to 18 months, Australia had invested in private investment $300 million into the AI sector compared to the US, which was close to $2 billion, and China close to $9 billion. So we are very much behind. We really are backwater when it comes to artificial intelligence adoption. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. And this is not something new that's being highlighted. Um, the CEO, Stella Sola, has been zipping across Australia and talking to, um, to all the stakeholders and doing an absolutely phenomenal job there. So I, I think with this sort of enthusiasm and commitment off the bat, because she's literally been in the position, I think, two or three months of that, um, I, I certainly think this is a precursor of big things to come. I hope so, Nikki, but I, I don't underestimate the difficult job that Stella has. I think she is fantastic and I'm like number one fangirl of hers. But it's, you know, the country is slow. We had a previous federal government that was, in my view, technology illiterate. I think this new government, also with Ed Husick's announcement of a billion-dollar technology fund, is, is a step in the right direction. But we have a, a very risk-averse business community when it comes to artificial intelligence. So Stella certainly has her job cut out. I think a lot of it stems from just um, people not understanding what it is. I mean, if you, even if you mention the word robotics, the mere thought of, you know, a robot is going to come and take over the world. I go, listen, people, if you work with my robots, I promise you it's not. Like, yes, there are, there are great things that they can do, but after everything is said and done, it's still humans pushing everything. Yes, it is. And it will in the recently near future, become where the robots are doing more. So there's no question about that. And we do know the World Economic Forum is predicting 
85 million jobs replaced in the next two years by AI and robots, but 92 million jobs created. So I do think that we will start to see an increased pace of machines, hardware and software coming in to augment human jobs, but also to replace human jobs. I think we, we're very sensitive to, to actually acknowledge that AI is being built to replace humans, but it absolutely is being built to replace humans. But, but following on from that, humans are, there are jobs being created. So it's not all negative about it. Right, that's completely correct. And as we've seen with any new big wave of, of technology, it was the same when we started looking at offshoring and outsourcing jobs. Everyone was very worried about that. And I think the, the outcome was for every dollar that we offshored, the Australian GDP earned $1.46. And we know in typical ways with AI, for every job it replaces, it creates 1.3 jobs. The challenge I have, Nikki, is that when we look at those jobs that will be taken by AI and, and robots, 90% of those jobs are the jobs of women, minorities and youth. And that's where we need to take that conversation down and really look at what is the societal impact and are we just going to create this even greater cavern of divide between the have and the have-nots and those who are already discriminated against or underserved. Yeah, and marginalised. Yesterday was a very big day for you. It was the launch of your book. Give us, give us the gossip. How, why, what is so important about it? Tell us all. Yeah, thanks, Nikki. And uh, yeah, we're very, very proud. So uh, I've authored the book or co-authored the book alongside um, Professor Richard Bidgen and also Dr. Sam Kirshner. And we're, we're all um, professors and, and senior lecturers at the University of New South Wales. And so we uh, have been working on this book for two years and really saw that there was no go-to comprehensive reference book for how do you do artificial intelligence uh, responsibly. And so we've named the book Checkmate Humanity, and that's leaning on a term that Tristan Harris, who is the creator of the movie The Social Dilemma and the founder of the Centre for Humane Technology, he uses an expression that AI has created a checkmate on humanity. And so we like that, shortened it to Checkmate Humanity, the how and why of responsible AI. And in this book, Nikki, we, we map out again, you know, what is AI and, and why does it do what it does and what are its benefits? But then we map the, the harms that AI can cause right from individual risk through to we've got a whole massive chapter on existential risks because what most people don't know is that of all the existential risks that humanity faces, so nuclear war, um, uh, pandemics, uh, a solar flare, an asteroid crisis, uh, obviously climate change. Of all of those, artificial intelligence has the, is the highest risk factor at about a one in 10 chance that AI will either cause an existential risk by the end of the century or severely limit humanity's uh, capabilities. And, and nobody knows that. So we've mapped out the risks and then we've come with the very first taxonomy of harms for AI that didn't exist in the literature. We were very surprised to learn, so we built that. And then we we offer models and frameworks and recommendations on how to actually do responsible AI. Most important question: Where can we find this book? Yes, so the book can be uh, found uh, at the website, which is checkmatehumanity.org. 
org or hit checkmatehumanity.com. Fantastic. What's Australia's role in responsible AI internationally? I mean, you've touched on um, figures previously of how little investment there is um, that we're actually doing in this field that would even have an impact on that. Yes. So what I've said publicly and to the ministers and also the, the National AI Centre is that Australia is not famous for anything really with technology and we are certainly not famous for anything in artificial intelligence and we're a bit behind in artificial intelligence. Now, if we flip that to go, okay, what opportunity is there that we haven't kind of raced ahead and a deep in, in field with AI? The opportunity there is that we can stand as a nation that has a trusted brand in technology and, and a leaders in responsible technology. And so what we talk about now is why doesn't Australia encourage organisations to build a responsible AI first strategy? So when they're starting to look at planning for their AI strategy, just make it a responsible AI strategy, which you know logic says that it should already be, but we know that that's not the case. So I absolutely believe, and I'm backing uh, Stella and the National AI Centre as well, for us to make a very big stand internationally that if you want to come to, you want to find a nation or a place that makes trusted and responsible AI, then come to Australia. You know, um, I mentioned to you um, just, we passed episode 90 in terms of the people that I've spoken to. Australia does not stand back for anyone in the smart sector in, in robotics and AI. We've got extremely talented people and doing amazing stuff here. We do. And what is really uh, fascinating is when we look at Australia's level of innovation and of the top 56 innovative uh, countries in the world, of the top income earners, Australia sits at about number 24 of good innovators, which is kind of average, actually. And we, we used to be um, much higher up. When we look at how good we are at innovation input, so creating great ideas, doing great research, coming up with novel ideas, we actually rate about 13. So we're, we're right at the top. When we look at how do we perform in the output of innovation, and that is actually creating something from the research, the innovation, and or commercialising it or doing anything that involves it turning into a piece of technology, we rate about 31, 31st. So there's a big capability gap in Australia between super smart, just you saying super smart people doing super smart things, but actually commercialising it and bringing it into fruition is still challenging. Yeah, that's the gap. And hence this podcast, because I talk to these super, and I'm batting way above my average. I have to tell you this right off the bat, because sometimes I talk to you and I'm going, I, I really have to go and read up on about it. But the whole idea is the introduction to these people. And um, it is, I couldn't agree with you more. When you just talk to people in the street and you say to them, do you know what AI is? Do you know what robotics? It's it's a more fearful um, response of, um, I think something bad is going to happen and actually I don't want to know about it. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And even um, I co-chair, uh, so, so Sir Richard Branson has a, a not-for-profit called B-Team and that that is based on him and a number of other very kind of, you know, well-to-do, well-trod billionaires, I think, uh, who decided like the A game of the world, you know, isn't going so well. So there needs to be a, a plan B and then hence the B team. So we are launching or we launched uh, several months ago the 
the Richard, Richard Branson's B-Team AI Coalition and inviting currently CEOs from around the country to, to join that so that we can have a group of you know, high-powered Australian CEOs working to improve their own capabilities in their own com companies, but overall in the country. And we also, the B-Team runs a, a climate coalition one, which has been very successful. We, it's been quite difficult to get the impetus and the movement within the CEOs compared to climate change with, with AI. And so there is a little bit still of reluctance right at the senior levels of businesses at boards and, and executive level around really stepping in, into AI in, in a deep way. And there's a couple of reasons why I think that is. I do agree with you, Nikki, around just a level of awareness and education around AI still is very low. But also we've never had a burning platform. We didn't have a massive global financial crisis and we, we had some very difficult times during pandemic, but we, we didn't have huge amounts of, of healthcare destruction and we didn't, it didn't destroy the economy as, as it almost did in many other countries. So we haven't had the burning platform that shows us we need to step into these emerging technologies immediately and invest heavily into them because otherwise, you know, we're, we're going to be in, in dire stress. We haven't had that. So I think we're sitting beautifully because it gives us such a great standard of living here and a great place to be. But it means we're a bit complacent and a bit risk averse, hence not diving into AI as we need to. Your book sounds as though, and I do need a copy of this book, I may just add there. Um, your book sounds as though it could be used as a textbook for AI in Australia to know where and what to do. If people don't find the answers there, where should they go? So they will find a lot of answers there. Another great organisation is um, the Gradient Institute. Now, I sit on the board of, of the Gradient Institute and the Gradient Institute is dedicated fully to responsible AI. So we have you know, the smartest data scientists in the country, in my opinion, and, and we do things there such as assessments of AI, large corporate AI systems. We do a lot of training of boards and executives and we, and we train data scientists how to code ethically. We do gnarly projects around responsible AI and we make a lot of recommendations as to how do you actually do responsible AI. So once you understand the principles, how do you actually put that into place? So the Gradient Institute is a great resource. Uh, then... National AI Centre, certainly Stella is building out a responsible AI program there, which is beautiful. So they all come to market with some interesting things. But I'll tell you what is a very good resource is the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. So if the listeners uh, and your subscribers just Googled responsible AI and World, World Economic Forum, there's some fantastic free resources there. Katrina, if all else fails, I'm just saying to the listeners, just connect with Katrina on LinkedIn, send her a message and say help. And um, I know you're going to respond, aren't you? <laughs> I would love that. I would love that. And that's actually where I get a lot. That's my main portal of communication now. So, um, so that's great. And look, the other thing I, I'd love to mention, Nikki, too, is uh, 10 days ago, we launched a new organisation called the Responsible Metaverse Alliance. So what I'm doing now is taking everything that I've learned from AI, responsible AI, and turning it towards Web3 and the metaverse. So this time we can get ahead of, instead of kind of retrofit ethics and responsible practices into technology that's already left the station, that we can start to think about how do we build a responsible metaverse. So we launched the 
the Responsible Metaverse Alliance, the RMA, uh, 10 days ago, I'm traveling to America and to London in the next month to start to build it over there as well. And again, it's a, it's a place that Australia can play a great role in. And when we look at the technologies that underpin Web3 in the metaverse, AI is one of the top two most significant technologies. So we cannot talk about responsible AI now without talking about Web3 and metaverse. Definitely. Um, I suspect that's a separate podcast and I know um, you, I'm conscious of your time today, so I'm going to circle back to you and we're going to have a podcast just dedicated to that. You spoke at the Women in AI Awards night and I actually saw you speak and um, I have to tell you, even though you're on this big screen, um, your energy, your enthusiasm and your commitment just shone through there for all the women to see. Um, why do you think this awards night is so important? Oh, this is my favourite night of the year, and I was so sad. I actually had COVID, so I couldn't, um, I couldn't go. Yeah, I couldn't go, but I was so yeah. sad. But it is done so well, and Andrea Muller, who pulls it all together, is just a, a genius. And it is a real celebration of the most extraordinary talent in this country, which happen to be women. So I love that event. I love the women, and, and often. Um, sometimes I'm a judge, sometimes I'm, I just go through the, the women's, their profiles, and, and I'm just blown away by the talent we have in this country. And, and my role is just to kind of bring these women out from the laboratories and the research institutes and the startups and help celebrate them, help profile them and help guide them into leading this country because we absolutely need the women at the forefront. I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, the most striking thing um, that I pick up from this conversation of, like, as you said, extraordinary human beings, they um, generous, they, they humble, and they all, their first thought is, am I good enough to apply for this award? Right, exactly. And I get calls during the year about, oh, I've seen these women in AI awards, you know, I don't think. And I go, yes, look, you have to <laughs> just get on it. And it also doesn't matter if you don't win or not even a finalist. The community that you come into is so important. And as a woman entrepreneur and a woman AI entrepreneur, I know during my you know, darkest moments, and, and we all have them, that it, it was the women, my women entrepreneur friends that I went to for, for support and love and care. And they're the ones that really got me through rather than having you know, a fabulous mentor or anything else. It was definitely my, my women friends and colleagues that, that kept me moving and growing. Listen, that's very important. You know, I don't know if you wake up at two o'clock in the morning. I think everyone's got like a two or three. They've got some sweet spot at night that they wake up and they go, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I said that. And, oh, I should have said that and I shouldn't have done that. Um, I'm hoping you don't have these because <laughs> or maybe maybe it will be good even if you have these because then for the rest of us, we can go, oh, even Katrina has them. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, so what do I do? I do a whole, I've done lots of talks on all of the mistakes that I've made and all of, all of the epic failures that I, um, that I did. And in fact, once we did a few years ago, I co-hosted what they call um, a, an F up or, or a fuck up night. And so we brought in three or four, including myself, entrepreneurs who'd like epically failed and we got them to, to tell their stories. And it was a, just a beautiful night of people really, um, vulnerably sharing this difficult path that we're on and particularly in AI where it's it's a hard you know it's a hard 
complex technology, hard to explain, hard to understand, hard to build, hard to describe, hard to make work. And I read the statistic the other day that 87% of AI trials do not go into production. So, we, you know, we're looking at phenomenal. One, yeah, one in 10 AI trials actually making it through the gates. You know, that's, that's tough. That's yeah. tough. Mm. I, I think it's a, it's a lonely road for all entrepreneurs, like regardless of your gender, but I think especially women because, you know, there are certain expectations and I don't know whether it's we put it on ourselves or it's just something that comes through that we're supposed to be, I don't actually know what, but um, I, I constantly have to remind myself, don't be so critical of yourself, you know, and I, I can dissect the minutest little thing I didn't do and, you know, at the end of the day, I don't actually think anyone cares because, you know, I rocked up, I was there, you know, I did my best. What else do you want? Right, that's it. And what I've, I say to the entrepreneurs that I mentor is like, there's only one thing that we can guarantee in this entrepreneurial world. And that is that you'll learn something. You know, if you're open, you'll learn. We can't guarantee that you'll, you'll succeed. We can't guarantee that your product will be loved or someone will want to pay for it but we can guarantee if you're open to it that you'll learn and that then taps into that whole growth mindset. And the more you learn, the more likely it is that you will be successful. So you have to have some big failures on your way through. You can't get to great without having big failures under your belt. Yeah, and learning to live with them. Congratulations on your book. I can't wait to read it. I'm going to get myself a copy as soon as possible. Any closing thoughts that you'd like to leave our audience with? Yes, definitely. So particularly for the women, uh, I just want you to know that all organisations need you and are trying to find you. And particularly women of colour, women with disability, women of minority status, that is your asset. So once upon a time when, we, you know, that was really hard for us to to be these type of women, now it is your asset. Companies want you, particularly AI companies and high-tech companies are trying to find you. So I know that because they come to me and ask where, where we are. So it is our time to shine, be confident, step forward, make sure you're getting paid more than your male counterparts and, and look for jobs of power, not just influence. Fantastic advice. Last but not least, besides LinkedIn, um, where else can people reach out to you? Definitely. So I'm at um, email would be katrina.wallace at responsiblemetaverse.org and Katrina spelled the Gaelic way. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. And then on all other social media. Fantastic. It's been an absolute honor and pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, Nikki, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And to our audience out there, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Reach out to Katrina if you need any advice or help. And I look forward to your company next week again. Mm-hmm.